Welcome back to The Road to Seven with Sheila Cummins. I am thrilled that you've joined us today. And have I ever got an interview for you? If you're looking for inspiration or the story of someone who shows incredible resilience and grit in building their business while the chips seem to be held against them, then this is an interview that you don't want to miss. My guest today is Lane, CEO, founder of The Auctionista. Lane has been leading the wave of philanthropy-based entertainment for over a decade and is one of the few certified benefit auction specialists here in Canada. Extensive strategic training paired with unparalleled energy and charisma makes Lane a game changer in the live fundraising landscape. Energetic, trustworthy and inspiring, Lane is an accomplished entertainer in the fundraising space with over a thousand successful events across a variety of industries, raising millions of dollars for charities across North America. Through the development of the auctionista fundraising techniques, Lane travels across the country educating nonprofit staff and volunteers, giving them a step-by-step breakdown on how to move the dial on philanthropy and make the most of their fundraising events. Lane also acts as a keynote speaker, engaging various audiences about the importance of breaking down barriers and the power of finding your voice. A relaxed and engaging demeanor has helped make Lane a popular figure internationally, as well as a valued guest on Breakfast Television, which happens to be Canada's number one morning show. That charm has allowed Lane to comfortably exchange laughs with Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and shared stages both in person and virtually with performers such as Sarah McLaughlin and Sting. And today, Lane is sharing their business journey from shifting out of corporate into the entrepreneurial space. I hope that you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Welcome to The Road to Seven. I'm your host, Sheila Cummins. I am an entrepreneur, a mentor, an investor, a wife, and mom to three beautiful children. Women entrepreneurs are up-leveling and changing the rules for business strategy, leadership, success, money, and impacting the world every single day. The Road to Seven is the diary of business strategy for women entrepreneurs. We meet you where you're at in your business and champion you along the road to your vision. And I am honored you chose to join us today. Ready to go? Buckle up. It's time to hit the road. Every once in a while, you come across a person who just stops you in their tracks, stops you in their tracks because they are so innovative. They are such a big thinker. Their entire business is built on philanthropy and making the world a better place. And they're doing it with incredible style. And that's exactly who my guest is today. Lane, thank you so much for joining us. If you don't know Lane, you absolutely must. Go and follow them on social media. Their company is known as The Auctionista, and they are an incredible person. And we, I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you for joining us. Tell me, you weren't always in the auctioneering business. Tell us how you got into this. I didn't even know what an auctioneer was. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 like many people in careers, I completely fell into it. I was uh, a store manager with Shoppers Drug Mart. I was a financial advisor. And just before I 
learned about what an auctioneer was, I had transitioned from being a financial advisor into the fundraising world. I was uh, a fundraiser at a, a charity. And it was around that time that my wife and I were invited to attend a charitable gala dinner. And I'm not going to lie. I I walked in and I saw this merchandise on these tables. I didn't even know what a silent auction was. I, I didn't know. I, I I was, you know, I'm a I'm a child of immigrants. Our fundraising was done in a church basement. I was I I just didn't have that culture of the the wider philanthropic view in my life. So this is the first time I go to this uh, auction, and then it's time for the live auction. And I didn't even know what that was either. And I saw the auctioneer, who I now know was a livestock auctioneer. I didn't get any of that early on. But I, I, he went, he did his thing. He, he, he sat and stood behind the uh, podium with his gavel and basically powered through 120 items. Like, wow. they were cattle. They were cattle. And I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I felt jarred. I, I felt like, wow, here we are supporting this charity. And I just feel like they're moving product through, like, the Amazon warehouse, right? And I, t- I turned to Sue, and I said, you know what? I, I I could do that. And she said, I bet you could. So I walked up to uh, Al the auctioneer, And I said, how do I learn to do what you do? And he looked me up and down, Sheila, and he said, listen, little missy, this is a generational career. If you, if it's not in your blood, it's not happening and I can't help you. And that was, you know, nobody puts Lane in the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. And that was how my journey started. That was just enough. Just enough to spark, (laughs) spark an interest and then start my research and get my, get my butt to auction school in Mason City, Iowa that year. Wow. Wow. So auction school, I would imagine is a little bit homogenous in terms of who's attending. Yes. I, I, I for sure was the only gay in the village, but listen, statistically, we know that of the 30 people that are there, there's a larger percentage than just one individual, but this is Midwest USA, 10 gallon hats, big silver belt buckles. These were boys who were generational auctioneers, right? That is how they grew up. So I found myself to be probably in the most uncomfortable and most intimidating environment that mm-hmm. I could ever imagine. How did you use that as fuel to keep going? Well, it wasn't me that used it as fuel. Sue did. Because mm-hmm. after the first day at auction school, a grueling eight hours of tongue twisters, wow. I got back up to my room, my hotel room, and I called home. And I said, I- I'm, I'm coming home. There is, I, I can't do this. My tongue doesn't work that way. I'm so overwhelmed and intimidated. And Sue said to me, honey, you, you're not coming home. You've just driven 12 hours. You are there. This is something you want to do. I believe in you. I believe that you will be great at this and I'm locking all the doors and you can't get in anyway. <laughs> so I was kind of forced into staying the rest of the week. And as the week progressed, Sheila, I found myself connecting to these boys, you know, opening up a little bit more about who I am, still protecting myself. But I would say by the end of the week, I had overcome the fears. I had made lifelong friendships with these boys and these, there were a few gals there. And it was, you know, it's what they say, the expression 
question, is it fear is the greatest motivation? What's the expression and how does that go? Something about courage and overcoming fear. One of those expressions. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but that's how it felt for me. I was... I had the courage and I rose up and I did it. Well, you did it and you got the certification and being an auctioneer, but we still needed to build a business. So how did you go from, I have an idea that I want to do this to, this is a viable business? I didn't know it was a business for me. I didn't perceive it that way. I just thought Lane is going to come back to Canada and Lane is going to do five or six auctions a year for extra trip money because I was very committed to being a fundraiser, a director of development, working within a charitable organization and helping that organization get to the next level and working my way up through the management and perhaps even being an executive director. That really was my goal at the time. So I came back fully expecting that I would do five or six gigs a year. We'd take a trip to Puerto Vallarta and then I'd go back to my regular day job. That was not what happened. That doesn't seem to be what happened. (laughs) That is not what happened. So what did happen? One auction turned into two, turned into 10, turned into 20, Mm -hmm. turned into 50, turned into 100 in a year. And Sheila, I, I found myself probably within two years that I was juggling two full-time gigs, the the gig at the charity and the auctionista thing. And uh, I think it's probably around that time that you and I had met because uh, I was starting to feel, okay, where's the fulcrum point? When do I dive in? When do I, what do I love? What am I passionate about? In which direction do I want to go? And so it's a full-time gig. It's not just a full-time gig. It's a massive thing now. Yeah, it is. What were the hardest parts through the growth? You know, you first there was leaving your job. This is this is where your income coming is coming is is full time through the auctionista. What were the hardest parts for you in terms of making this into the brand and the company that it is today? I think the hardest part was becoming the fact that I had this job and I felt that the job was now starting to hold me back from living this new entrepreneurial life. Of course, I had been a business person in, you know, in prior career. So I was no novice to building and running a business. But what was holding me back, like I said, was my job. So for me, building a business and building budgets and cash flow projections, that's like easy peasy fun stuff for me. (laughs) But building the brand, the brand was established. And then once I let go of the job, then Sheila, I was able to 150% of every single day into, you know, further developing the brand. And it was then turning my attention to what is this new brand? You know, it, it was a little bit of like a homespun brand before, I guess you could call it that. It wasn't bad, but I really wanted to polish up the brand. So that that allowed me the time to really delve into discovering who I am as the auctionista and what I wanted that brand to look like and feel like. And business just kept on growing. Sheila, I, I, I never marketed myself. Every new gig, every new opportunity was word of mouth because I'm in front of very large audiences every single night of the week. So I've, I've never really had to market my business. Incredible. 
That's incredible. You made some really strategic hires. One of the things that I have admired about your business journey is your ability to do the cash flow, to know when to hire, to know how much to pay the hire, but also to sniff out the right person. What are some of the pieces that you put in place in order to make sure that you've got the right people on your team? When you were, use the language sniff out, this is exactly what I do. And I always analogize it to when, a, when two dogs meet, they sniff each other out. And either it's like you immediately like somebody or you like that pooch or you don't. I kind of, humans are the same way. You can immediately sense. And I trust my inner senses very, very much because I am a manifester of things I have, I sense things. So I trust my instincts. And so what I like to do when I'm hiring somebody is spend some time with them, get to know them and, you know, make sure, obviously I I do believe that hard skills can be learned, right? Mm -hmm. If I don't know, if if somebody doesn't know how to use, you know, formulas on an Excel, Hey, we can teach that to you and we can figure that out. What I can't teach somebody is to be trustworthy, loyal, a person of integrity, a person that is going to stand up and and always have my back and the brand's back. That's what I am looking for. Because in my business, I build a culture that feels like family. It, it is driven by my values, which is You've got to have fun because if you're a sourpuss, you're never going to make it on my team. You got to be fun, kind, generous, integrity, trust. These are the things. And we work together collaboratively, but I also have a focus on autonomy as well and take something and, and, and fly with it and work with it. Bring your energy. I don't want to be telling you what to do. I'm looking for ideas. And that brings folks and employees and what I say, my colleagues and team closer into the business when they, you know, their ideas and their inspiration can help the business. And I also reward monetarily. I am a, I'm still a small business, but I have an RSP group investment and I also have health spending accounts. So I want to look after my family team as well in that way. Gosh, I wish there was more leaders like you in our world. The world would be a very different place. Lane, your your business has been on a growth trajectory for years. It got bigger than you. You started hiring. Who were the key roles that you hired? In the beginning, Sheila, it was the client manager that you suggested. You said, Lane, you know what? You can't be doing this stuff. You need to be now focusing on your performance and maintaining your health. And, you know, just so that I'm fresh and ready to go five nights a week. So the client manager was the first person that I hired. And that role has morphed based on that the new person's skills because I, I I'm a big believer if you have natural ability and affinity for certain tasks and and skills I want to try to design a role that you're going to be your best in because if you I, I always think to myself you know if if you're a major gifts officer in a charity that doesn't automatically make you suitable to run an event right? These are very different skill sets. So that client manager role started off as, oh, contracts, building contracts, tracking retainers, tracking final payments, QuickBooks stuff, all the things that I needed to move off of my plate. But now 
with the person that I have in that role, they have a talent management background, which is fantastic. So they love building the business through other opportunities, not just Lane the Auctionista, the, the auctioneer, but Lane the Auctionista, the speaker, Lane the Auctionista, a podcast guest, or Lane the Auctionista, a speaker at a chari- charitable conference. So they have really, this, this individual has really taken my business to the next level because I didn't box them into that client manager box. I expanded that role and I saw the opportunity of doing that and their love of helping an artist and a performer reach their potential. That's leadership and, at its yeah. best. And the other other role I have is a uh, a fundraising consultant who also happens to be have a PR background and does my social media too. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Very strategic hiring. Lane, everything's been, was going swimmingly. And then March 13th, 2020 happened. The world came to a standstill. It shut down. And as someone whose business is completely reliant on in-person, big person events, pulling together groups of people into one room, what happened? My business went dark. Yeah, I had, I don't even recall how much business was in the pipe and booked for the, the this year. I'm Sheila, you know, it'll be interesting to note that I'm booked two to three years in advance for performances. Mm-hmm. So I didn't just lose one year uh, of business. I, I've lost two. So business went dark. All revenue came to a grinding halt. Of course, my first, my first thought was not about me, mm-hmm. but I thought about my team. Yeah. How is this going to impact them? So I did have to lay them off, obviously, and I had to look at where that was going to leave the rest of the year revenue-wise. And I didn't know. I didn't know anything at that time really about virtual events. So I started looking into that. But it was, a, it was, it was traumatic. It was one of the most painful, scariest losses emotionally, Physically, and if that wasn't enough, my wife, who we thought had a very secure role, lost her senior leadership role due to COVID. So now there were two of us, no income, and how are we going to figure things out? So here's the thing. I remember I said I was a financial advisor. Well, you know, I did learn a few things along the way. (laughs) And contingency, capital contingency. Don't spend more than you have. And make sure you have three to six months cash reserves. Yeah. Now, that saved my skin, business-wise and personally. It did save my skin. And, of course, you know, the government benefits absolutely helped influx some cash into the monthlies. Then the funniest thing happened. I had a client who I was supposed to be in Manhattan performing live in May. And about three weeks before their event was to take place, I mean, I knew I wasn't going to the States. They called me up and they said, we're going to pivot to virtual. And I said, well, I said to myself, I have no idea what that (laughs) means. But I said, I'm with you. I'm with you. I love it. I want this. And this is going to be mass. Let's do it. I've never done a virtual event before and uh, neither had they and neither had the producers. So that was kind of the beginning of the pivot. And it's kind of been, uh, it's been working that way ever since, but you know, guess what? I, I like the virtual gig. I, I do. I what really do you like do. about it? So I like that. It's a challenge. I will be honest with you. I think I brought COVID on. 
for the for the entire world. Why do I say that? Because in early this year, when I was doing my business plan for 21, 2021 and 2022, I was, I didn't share this with my team, but I was thinking to myself, okay, this is um, kind of becoming a one city to the next. And I don't want my charitable clients listening, thinking that I don't have passion for what I do. I love what I do deeply, deeply, deeply inside my soul. But it was becoming somewhat cut and paste for me, right? Yeah. Live auction, fund and need, live auction, fund and need, host a show, live auction, fund and need, strategy, you know, all of that. Yes, I love it. I love it. And I loved the folks and the people and all the things. But I was starting to look at new avenues for myself, Lane, not just Lane the auctionista, but we were looking at branching out Lane into mm-hmm. another professional side. So Lane the auctionista does this charitable stuff and Lane the human being is a speaker, is can be your game show host and and do all these other things. So I was already feeling that I needed something rattled up. I wasn't expecting that kind of a rattle. (laughs) That was a loud rattle, Lane. (laughs) That was a loud rattle, yeah. And so I think what I love about virtual is I've learned so much about technology and production, and I've had to tweak my performance, tweak my skills, learn how to do things a little bit differently. And it's... I'm not going to lie. It's, it's spiced up my life. She <laughs> It has spiced up my life and it's given me the opportunity to not have to travel and work yeah. with charities around the globe, which is really cool because yeah. I couldn't get to the U S without a U.S. visa before. And now my first client was a U.S. client, right? Yeah. So I think it's, it's done that. And also it's giving me a lot of exposure because of course a virtual event is going to reach so many more laptops and so many more people than 300 seated in a ballroom. Right. Right. So in fact, it's been very good for my visibility of the brand. Obviously, you know, I, I, I'm very proud that there hasn't been one event that I have with and on that hasn't exceeded their fundraising goals. That's really important to me. So I've got a lot of statistics to support that this, this format works. Yeah. And I hope that it's here to stay. And whether we go back in a ballroom together in a hybrid format, I do believe that, you know, these charitable galas and balls will be, you know, distributed on a virtual platform as well. So I'm, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm down with that. I love it. Go with it. I love, I love that you can see that now. You know, I think that hindsight, oh, now I can see the benefit that it's given to me. But when we're talking about March and April and your entire business has disappeared, you've had to lay off your family because your team is your family. You know, you, we don't know which way is up. How did you dig in? How did you dig in and get through that? I, I didn't. And I did eventually, but I was really, really traumatized and I was afraid. And, you know, I I had lots of conversations with trusted, let's say, colleagues, friends, people that I really trust where I could just break down and cry in that conversation and talk about how afraid I was. And here's the interesting thing, Sheila. On March the 4th, I was a speaker at a women's conference and my topic was resilience. And I had just spoken about that on how I had uh, come through all these traumas in in my life and, and come to this point where I broke the stereotype of the male auctioneer and busted into this business. And I reflected on that speak so many times during 2020 and said, and said to myself, you know what, Lane, you, you, you're, you're going to be fine. And of course, all my colleagues and friends were saying, you're going to be fine. You, Lane has always reinvented themselves. And just as I thought things were going to get better, our daughter had a baby in July and he passed away 
16 days later. And so it's just when I was starting to like rise to the surface, then we had this incredibly incredible loss and trauma, which then catapulted me again, kind of down into the, down into the depths uh, once again. So I, I think when it comes to resilience and when it comes to crawling your way back up, I think what we all have to do as humans is be kind to each other and understand that that is not an easy thing to do, that it takes a lot of tears, a lot of working through trauma responses, because mm-hmm. we all have trauma responses. We either curl up or we fried chicken or whatever the <laughs> thing is, we do it and it's okay. But you, you know, the hope is, is that you, you find the resources and the professionals that you can speak to, 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 to shed your trauma, to shed this heaviness so that you can somehow compartmentalize it, leave it behind or learn how to live with it, but yet mm-hmm. still be productive, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it, it took me months. By the fall, my business did start picking up, but I still had residual trauma. And this was like multiple traumas, right? I mean, we just talked about what they are. Mm-hmm. So, but time is a great healer. Talking is a great healer. Connecting with other humans is a great healer. Crying is a great healer. And asking for professional help is a big thing. And it's a, it's a good thing. So, you know, I, I got through it and the fall started getting busier for me with virtual events. And this year is looking pretty, pretty darn good too. So I, like many business owners at the beginning of 2020 was like, this is, this is going to be my best year yet. I've got my US visa. I've got this PR and marketing company behind me. I've got like op-eds going on. I've got speaks. I've got this and then crash. I'm not the only one that felt that way, but especially in the events business, everybody went dark. But, you know, what that did, Sheila, is it did give me time to reflect on where I'm going, where I'm at, who I want to be, what I want my business to look like after the pandemic, what's important to me. And, you know, I'm grateful for that time of reflection. I wasn't clear-minded every time I was reflecting, but I feel that I've I've come to the place now, a year later, year later plus, that I feel that, you know, I've I've made some very good decisions for what the future of the auctionista looks like and what it looks like for Lane personally as well. Yeah. Amazing. Two questions and then I'm going to let you go. First question. Based on what you know now, Lane, versus when you started this business, what do you wish you knew then? I wish I didn't think small. I wish that, and I'll tell you why I thought small, because I was entering a line of business that is very male dominated. Auctioneers are, most of them are male. I was entering this space as a non-binary individual, and that's a whole other podcast in itself, but that does hold one back to being their authentic self if you're not feeling safe in spaces. I also, so yes, and also it's a very niche, niche consultancy and work that I do, the performance stuff. So I thought, well, you know what, if I, if I do five or six a year, I'm going to be happy. If I had gone into that first year after auction school saying, this is where I want to plant my flag as the auctionista. I'm going to work towards developing a, a, a business that is going to employ people. And if I visioned that differently, I think I would have gotten there faster and I probably would have been 
a little happier. But, you know, the, the other part of me says, oh, Lane, you did it just right because building foundation, um, foundation, you know, financial security with block one, now step up to block two. Financial security, business, revenue streams coming in, now to block three. So, I, I think I did it right. <laughs> I wish I did it faster because I thought I'd be having a lot, a lot more fun sooner. <laughs> well, I love that you're having fun now and that you found, you know, that there has been some gifts that have come out of the last year. Last question. What's next? Where are we going to see you go next, Lane? Well, what's next for Lane is I'm going to just uh, keep on rebuilding this business. I know that my charitable clients will, they will, things will come back in one form, shape or other. But what has been really lovely for me is that I have put a focus on my keynote speaking side of my business. I also love hosting shows. I love hosting a show, whether it's an award show. So I do have more of that happening. So I feel that, you know, business is going to be even better in 2022. And I will be able to fulfill some of those side dreams that I have in, you know, speaking more often, hosting more often. And of course, getting on stage and raising money for charities is always the number one and top priority. But yeah, Lane's going to keep on plugging. And Sheila, I'm going to be 60 in two years year and a half and mm-hmm. i am gonna be sporting this nice dark locks of hair that are all natural and they are natural and i have hardly any gray because i love what i do and i do what i love isn't that fantastic lane people are going to want to connect with you they're going to want to start following you where should we go so that we can keep up to date with all of your excitement well you know what get get on the ig at the auctionista and i'm on twitter and linkedin and there's always auctionista.ca check me out on the website connect with me there send me a note i want to talk to you let's just chat what an inspiration thank you so much for your time today my pleasure thank you sheila it's amazing Thank you for listening to The Road to Seven. If you found value in what you've heard today, please leave us a five-star rating and a written review. You might just get a shout-out on an upcoming episode, and you never know when I'm going to be mailing some surprise treats to our reviewers. Make sure to subscribe so you automatically get notified when new episodes are released. Are you looking for a way to connect with other entrepreneurs that are facing the same challenges as you? I'd love to connect with you in the Road to 7 Facebook group on Instagram and LinkedIn. Just head to SheilaCummins.com. You will find all the links that you need right there. Together, we'll explore more ways to support your shift into action so that you can grow your business to finally match your vision. I love aligning your vision of success with strategic and intentional actions because that is how we will grow your business to match your vision. I focus on women, all women, because women hold the keys and the power to creating a powerful and positive world through their impact. We'll see you on the next episode.